Hi, my name is Steph Bastian and welcome back to another episode of Tattoo Tales podcast. This episode is a bit of a special one because we recorded it live at the last Aachen convention, which is uh, one of the best conventions I can think of. Uh, if you've never been, you definitely uh, should check it out if you're in the area. The guest this time is Bernie Luther, a true uh, amazing character, such an amazing guy. And uh, we had a very, very lovely time uh, doing this live, especially with the audience. You can hear he brought a few good laugh with his uh, very contagious energy. In September, there's going to be another edition of the Aachen Convention where we will record more live episodes and uh, a special one which i won't tell much about now but stay tuned because this is going to be a funny one you can find bernie on instagram at bernie luther which is b-e-r-n-i-e bernie and uh, luther l-u-t-h-e-r and uh, you can find the convention instagram at kaiserstadt which is k-a-i-s-e-r kaiser Stadt, S-T-A-D-T, Tattoo Expo Aachen. As always, if you enjoy the show and you would like uh, us to be able to reach more people, if you have a second, please give us a five-star review on uh, Spotify or iTunes or your favorite channel, favorite platform. And uh, I'll leave you to the episode. I hope you enjoy it. And today we're live from the Aachen Convention, finally, okay. again. <laughs> and uh, our guest is Bernie Luther. Thank you so much for making the time. Hello. That's Hi. very nice. Bernie, let me, let me ask you right away. Can you remember the very first thing, the very first memory about tattoos you have, the very first tattoo you saw? Or... Um, what I definitely can say is the first tattoos what made an impression on me. For sure, I saw some... Uh, prison tattoos before in the public transportation on somebody. But uh, when I went to England, and I was really young, I was like 12 or 13, I think it was like 78 or something, 79. And, um, and, and I saw some fully tattooed punks there, and that was the first time I saw color, a color tattoo, you know, and that was really impressed me. And I asked them right away, like, who did that? And that's how I came to Lel Hardy. And, uh, and Lel made my first real tattoo. I had one uh, already, but this was uh, one little one. But this was um, uh, uh, the first connection to real tattoos what I had. Is a Lel the best? Huh? Lel is, is the best. Lel is great. It's so yeah, funny. It's great. Very funny. It's it was so very funny. entertaining. You could totally be on stage. Like, uh, I wanted to do it because I interviewed him, but you know, he has so much to say. And the crazy thing of Lao, which I really envy him for, yeah. he has the craziest memory. He can remember every detail that happened like 40 years ago. I'm like, dude. Yeah. The opposite of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And me. Don't yeah. remember shit. So I'm like, dude, we should do like the Lao lost tapes or something okay. you know it's so good yeah. but uh, you went with your family what was it like traveling you moved there what uh... no i was there i went there just for a month or something actually uh, um that was like uh, my first trip to england was like this sfa like school holidays in another country so i was staying with an english family and had to go to school there in the morning for a couple of hours 
and uh, for one month or something just to progress learning English, you know, because actually was pretty bad in English in, in school. Yeah. So that's how I came to England. That's how I saw the first tattoos, and and that's how I got to Lal. And actually, Lal was the first person who told me, "Man, Bernie, you should become a tattooist." Because really? uh, yeah, I made the design myself, and uh, you know, and I showed him that, and I had this little tattoo, you know. So I don't know. At that time, there was not so many tattooists around. So now, probably no, nobody wouldn't say that anymore. But uh, at the time, uh, it was like yeah. that. And because uh, you, we will get to that in a minute, but your life really is really intertwined with music and punk, right? I was tattooing in the punk scene, so I was tattooing a lot of bands, for example, you know, like, like members from, from punk bands. And, and then, Was it the first time in the UK that you saw punk, so you already had... How did you come in contact in with that? In real life, yeah. 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 And it was like in the time it was not as common... I mean, there probably been already two, three punks in Vienna by that time, but not that I saw them. But uh, I would say, yeah, like um, it was my first connection with. with, with and you're originally from Vienna, or? I'm, I'm born and raised in Vienna. Yeah. Okay. And where, where did you go from there? When did you actually start to get, you know? To travel? No, to tattoo. To actually. You know, get I started like, oh, I really do this. early because um, the thing was I loved the traveling part, you know, and uh, I think it was '85. '85 um, was I got the first tattoo machine. I was like, um, I, I, I was getting tattooed by that punk from from Germany, and he had this self-made tattoo machine out of a spoon, uh, a motor from a tape recorder, and a ball pen. You know, that's dope. And it worked, you know. He made me that little devil head there. You still have it? I still have it. Actually, Philip covered, uh, not covered it, but he fixed reworked it. it. He fixed it a little bit. Anyway, it was my my first. I don't see too much anymore. Nice. Like that devil you want to show them? There's <laughs> not too much you can see. This, this was when, more or less? How long time ago? Latest 1980, probably. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and he had this uh, machine, this self-made machine, which looked really simple, you know. So I just checked the machine, and then I rebuilt it uh, at home. I took a spoon and a motor and, and a ball pen, <laughs> and I made it. And then I tattooed uh, that star here, as well as that's supposed to be a skull and bones. Okay. You know? and, and I... And I, next day, I called my friends. Hey, guys, I can tattoo. Come by. You know? <laughs> Quick, so, quickest apprentice, uh, on apprenticeship. On the next day, ever. I made already an Anarchy A, a black, another black star, and a Bacardi bat. Dope. <laughs> Dope. And how so, was your family with all of this? I first didn't know about it. You know, okay. it's like uh, even when I had already tattoos on my upper arm, I was still hiding it for at least another two years mm -hmm. for my mom. You know. And then I was waiting for the right moment to tell, to tell her. Actually, I was like, uh, I didn't know how she's going to react. You know, she's a little bit conservative, so I had no idea she, she's probably going to be mad. You know, and then one day she was in a really good mood, and I, I thought it's probably a good time to tell her. And I said, Mom, I did something really bad. And she's like, oh, what did you do? You killed somebody. That was the first thing what she said. Like, no. Oh, Are you addicted to heroin? I said, no, man, no. I got a tattoo. And she was like, ah, oh, OK, because she was expecting something much worse, you know? So in the end, she was like, oh, it's just a tattoo. Oh, OK, and I don't get too much more than, you know? So it was the reaction I didn't expect. That's it, funny, you know? man. 
But I was happy that it wasn't so bad. I did this thing because I go, apart from when we were 13, me and my friend that tattoo each other in this bathroom, whatever. But when I was 15, I got my first one at home and I did highly until I was 18. But I'm from Italy, so in July it's 40 degrees. So you're going out with a jacket, all sweating, and it's kind of weird. It's like, it's like, what's wrong? It's like, oh, nothing. It was a little, it was a little you know, air. <laughs> and then I did the same. Like, uh, one day I was going on holidays, so I literally jump on the train like in the movies. I get out the window, the train is moving. It's like, hey, mama, I got a tattoo, bye. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have any chance anymore to, to She got time to, to digest, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. That's good. And what were you, like, 15, 16 or something like that? Yeah, 16. OK. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you started tattooing all your punk friends? Uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It was like, uh, because there was beside that one guy which we didn't know at that time, that Fritzl guy I mentioned before, you know? There was basically nowhere you could go to get a tattoo, so people didn't even had um, had the idea how a good tattoo could look, you know. So um, I had easily I had my one client after the other. I had quite a lot of work for that. I was a total beginner. I had no clue about nothing, you know. And I was working, uh, I guess, like a year with that self-made machine, and then I I met another guy who was making tattoo machine, but uh, like old school was a rotary, uh, rotary way. And, um, and he sold the machine to me with some colors, with two tubes, so I could change, like, uh, at that time, was single needle and 12 needle round. Dope. That was the set, that was the lineup. So, yeah, but it is, that's what he showed me. So for another four or five years, I was working with that machine and that, uh, that lineup. Till then, I was the time when I came to England, and then I saw um, different machines. And I don't, I think it was really fast that I got afterwards a Spalding and Rogers machines. And and, then. and, there was and like the first time I was working in a studio, and it was 1987. That was um, in in Denmark. It was like uh, was I was uh, because at that time I was normally working in the punk scene and in mostly squat houses and stuff. And then uh, um, in Denmark, I met this other tattooist, and he was telling me he works for this old, really tattoo guy in, uh, in uh, was in um, Newhoun in, in the part of Copenhagen where all the ships are. It's like in the harbor part. There's like one tattoo studio next to the other. It's like four or five studios in a row. And and he was real classic tattooist, like you would imagine it in that time. You know, cigar in the mouth, and big beard and stuff. You know. And, and he right away took me, he gave me his next client, you sit down, you make him, bam. You know? and, uh, and from that time, I was working there after for like six months. And he, he really educated me. It's like I was from a totally beginner who was self-taught, basically to come, came to the person who was really well established. And he also knew all the old guys, Paul Rogers and Bob Roberts. And he connected me actually to Paul Rogers. Do you remember his name? Sven, Tato Sven, Lille Strandstraat in Newhound. It's actually, it's great, it's that, uh, it's Newhound is the part where you have the old ships. Yeah, yeah, I used to live in Copenhagen. In the harbor, and yeah. there's in the front is Ole, Tato Ole and Tato Danny. I think it's called, no, it's not, uh, not Denmark, right? No, it's Tato Danny, and then it's the Lille Strandstraat, and there's another Tato Peter, I think, or Tato yeah. Bob. Bob was really bad, I mean, I didn't say that, but that studio was horrible, you know? And sometimes uh, there was like, a, especially in the night, a lot of drunken guys come, hey, I want to get the two. And, and I was like, I wanted to make it as good as possible, you know? But I was like, yeah, I can make one. And the next one on the next day, nah, we want to get you two all, you know? And I said, like, I cannot do that, I only can make one, you know? 
but go to Bob. <laughs> no, but actually, I didn't say that, but they went to Bob. And not even a half an hour later, they came back. Really? And, Look what I got, you know. It was horrible. Oh, it was like, and I was making this really nice Indian head with like shaded face and everything. Man, this one guy nearly started to cry when he saw it, and then he looped his arm. Oh, that's Bob. Awesome. It's like a nightmare. I hope Bob doesn't hear this uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably dead already. He was yeah. old at that time. And uh, yeah, because I lived in Copenhagen and worked there for, for quite a few uh, years. Copenhagen was great. Copenhagen. I used to love it. But shops, like for what I've seen in pictures and what they told me, people from these older shops and stuff, yeah, yeah. tattooing in those days was a whole another world. Like yeah. people like drinking, smoking. Oh yeah, totally, like, man, insane. totally. Yeah, they spit on the floor, they with the cigarettes on the floor like this and... Uh, what is the thing that you liked the most, that you remembered in this period, and you're like, oh, every time I think about this, make me smile? I mean, the whole time was exciting for me, basically, because I had the chance to, to work in a real studio with, I mean, we saw my rotary self-made machines, or the machines that I bought from my friend, self-made one, he took it right away from me, gave me a Paul Rogers, not that he, gave it to me as a present, but you work with that, and, and he, he gave me a mag. I never worked with a Magnum before, you know? Right away, you work with a Magnum, da, 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 da. So... When you tried, it must have been like... Poof. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. And he uh, forbid me to work with single needle. Yeah, you have to make big outline, and, you know, so... In the end, um, I mean, there was everything exciting at the time, but I also <laughs> had a little bit of, I don't want to say horrible experience, but... Uh, uh, scary uh, experiences, for example. I mean, he was tattooing anything. So one time I was like, hey, Bernie, go over there and tattoo that pussy in purple. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know? And there's this one girl sitting there already naked with the black spread, you know, and she wanted to get the glitteries tattooed in purple. And I was that 18-year-old kid I was nearly shitting in my pants doing that, you know? But I don't want to disappoint. <laughs> so I, I went through and I did it. You didn't, you didn't send her to Bob? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't send her to Bob. Okay, that's good. <laughs> no, she was actually, she was a major client from Swan. She had like all her body tattooed. And then in the end, it was like basically, yeah, the nipples and the pussy left. So, um, <laughs> Actually, I tattooed it afterwards a few times, you know. Okay. It was not, uh, but that was the first time, and I was, that was a shocking thing for me. I mean, I never worked on a genital before. And then right away, that extreme, you know, it was a little bit hard. The good thing of that time is that now, what do you mean, like 10 years ago, whatever, but like now, I guess nothing can shock you, really. You can be like, eh. Barely anything. Right? Barely anything. I mean, let's, I mean, not, nothing but I uh, should do or a tattoo or something could shock me. I mean, I tattooed barely, basically any spot you can imagine. I mean, people ask me like, hey, make me some yellow between the toes. And one guy went a little color inside the nose. <laughs> and then, no, I'm serious, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the ear and something, you know, so I had a lot of things like that, but uh, <laughs> these things that I, at that time I was thinking, okay, I have to have this experience once, you know, and that's <laughs> it, you know. So for God's sake, I don't get asked that things much anymore, basically none anymore, but... Um, have you kept contact with some of these people that you tattooed there? Like, for example, like, you still tattoo some of them or 20 years later people that you tattoo? Yes, I do. Actually, I, I'm really happy when somebody comes in who I tattooed the last time, like, 25 years ago, or even more. It's nearly 40 years to tattoo now. 
How long have you been tattooing now? 40 years? I started 83. 83, I built that self-made self -made spoon machine, you know, so. Um, 83, 84, my post it says 84, yeah. you know, but 83, I actually had my first, you know, thing. But um, I, I, like from 85 and 86 on, I was like really tattooing like every day and, and you know, from 87, it was my first convention. Which was? Dunstable. Okay. It was also through Swan. He connected me to, at the time, was Chris Woblewski. He was the one who made all these old tattoo books, Tattoo Skin. I don't know remember what the name was. But at that time, there was not many tattoo books around, and, and he was responsible for, like, three or four of them. So uh, he connected me to him, and he connected me <laughs> to the organization of the Dunstable Convention, and the next convention I was already joining. What would you say there was, let's say you take, not necessarily this one, but a convention today and that convention, and you're like, okay, what is the biggest difference you see? What is the thing that changed the most? You know what? There is not too much differences at all. Mm. Basically, the concept of a, of a tattoo convention was already at that time like that. You know, there was bands playing. There was a little bit, yeah, a little bit sex show, like striptease or something uh, on stage. Probably this now not happen anymore, you know, but uh, there was already a competition for the tattoos, you know, a little bit showing off on stage and some prizes to win. It was basically, it was already the, the same story. And at that time, I was like sitting right next to Carrie Barber, for example, and, and, and it was Hanky Panky was there and all. The, there was a lot of famous tattoo guys. Did you know no, them? I didn't know anybody. You didn't know them at the time? No, yeah. it was like, Carrie Barber was next to me with her husband, and I was like, yes, hello, I'm Mike Barber, Carrie Barber's husband. He was expecting them. Oh, yeah, sure, I had no idea who he is. You know? <laughs> and, um, and he was like, Bernie, uh, if you need anything, um, you just tell me. Not even a minute later, I was like, hey, Mike, do uh, we have a soldering iron to make needles? <laughs> you know, I didn't have any needles with me. So, yeah, he, he had a soldering iron, so he gave me that. But, um, I mean, normally uh, you would come prepared, but in the times were different. You couldn't just buy some needles, you know, mm -hmm. you had to make them. So you were, what, 18 by that time, 20? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess you wanted... I don't know, but I guess I, I read something that you said previously, and I guess you wanted more. You wanted to learn more or do more, I guess, in terms of art, because you get you have that fresh energy, you know? True, true. I mean, um, I, yeah, I wanted to to go from one place to the other, you know, and basically they sent me, now you have to go to see this guy, and then I meet his friends, and then I was working in them studios or something. Like, when I came first, Time to the States, that was really, that was like the part where I was like, okay, you know, I visit one tattoo studio after the other. And, and from each studio, you take something with you, some, some information, you know. And uh, in, in this time, right, by now, maybe you know a bit more people by the, the thing that you're, you know, you're, the studio that you visit, they tell you. Who was the people that in that time for you was influential? Was like people you were looking up to, like, oh, well, definitely. Would love to work with this person. Yeah, I mean, Philip was definitely the number one. Mm. You know, um, at Hardy, to be honest, um, John van Hulena, the Dutchman, um, Brian Ebner, Brian Ebner. Yeah, Jack Rudy. I was working with Jack. He fucking freehanded <laughs> that Jimi Hendrix on my arm. I mean, I can do basically everything freehand, but I would not 
make a portrait in freehand. Yeah. And he drew it on, and this was 1989, you know? And it's still amazing. So that really, that blew me off. That, that wow, I was like, fucking it, this is possible. I think I've seen Tintin doing kind of the same, like freehanding a portrait. But a certain person? Yeah. Okay. So I'm like with a picture or something. I'm like, how do you okay. freehand a portrait, man? You know, the pressure. But I guess, it's, you know, you've done it so much, I guess, that, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is also for Czech. He was yeah. like, uh, that was his thing. He would not go to Czech and ask him for a Chinese dragon, honestly. It's like, not his thing. Mm-hmm. Also for a color thing, you know, he just doesn't like it. Probably doesn't even try it or work, work with colors, you know. Yeah. And how long did he stay in the States? Oh, quite a long, quite a while, two years in a row. And then I was kind of going back and <laughs> forth, forward uh, a few times. Like I came first time 89, 89 till like 93. I was going a lot. Yeah. You know? And then after I came to Asia. So since I was in India and Indonesia, I was forget America. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great in America. I, I have to. I would lie if I would say I didn't have a good time. I had a blast there, and I really learned a lot there, a lot. Because uh, because probably because I was from Europe and I was not American. That was probably one reason they didn't see me as a competition and they kind of mm. uh, uh, really tried to teach me as much as they can, and they reached me around, so I was really getting around in the States. And would you say that, because now you have the internet and all of that, right? So that now is the, the globalization of everything. So yeah. whatever you do over here, instantly you know it over there. But before, you don't have this connection. Exactly. So would exactly. you say that you, would, you found a different way of doing things in the States and in Europe because Again, they were over there and communication was limited. I remember Lal Hardy was talking about him ah, sending letters. I know what you letters mean. Letters and I stuff, know what you, know? you mean. See, for example, um, when I was working with Philip, they already told me from the beginning on to put the plastic uh, uh, over the, the, the spray bottle. You know, but when I came to the States, nobody was doing that. I was working with Ed Hardy and, um, you know, it was uh, plastic over there, plastic over there, but no plastic over the spray bottle. And I was, I was, you know what I mean? You touching like, okay, you change the machine, you change this and that, but then you still grab the same spray mm-hmm. bottle, you know? It was not a common uh, thing what people did at that time. You know, I mean, a few years later, everybody was doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. But that was something that was different in Europe than it was in, in the States, you know? Yeah. With the technique, I don't, I, not that I was aware of, that was like different techniques used in the States than... What about styles? Huh? Styles. Hmm. Let's see like this, the, the first uh, Western style was actually American, in a way, you know? I mean, if, if tattoo came from the islands or from Japan and from Asia or something, and the sailors brought it back to Europe and, and to America, mostly to the harbor cities, that's, that's where the first studios were, you know? They were in the harbor towns, you know, where the sailors <laughs> were hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so the Western tattoo, as much as I know, was a little bit the style what the early American did what the transition from the, the tribal and from the Japanese tattooing to come to to Western uh, to the Western culture? Uh, um, that's what we call now old school. That was the the old thing, but it was the same in England as well as in America. Yeah. I would say because maybe 
I don't know, you, you tell me, but maybe over there, there was a bit more, you know, with Good Time Charlie and Jack Rudy, more of the fine line in certain areas, while like Denmark, I guess, was all like sailor tattoos, like big lines and... Okay, but yeah. this was also like a kind of a smaller community with that fine line thing. I think as much as I know that came from California, that had a little bit to do with the prison there. It came there from... Um, prison and there was a lot of um, a lot of Latino people there and they are like darker skinned so they had to deal with uh, uh, so they couldn't use color so much or something so they were uh, really working on the black and gray and on nice letterings and mostly like beautiful faces so um, that's basically the Chicano style there was I think that's the birth place of Jack Rudy Brian Everett Mark Mahoney or something, you know, this yeah. fine line, uh, black and gray, realistic stuff. And not hyper-realistic, but mm -hmm. realistic stuff. And then from the States, then you just went traveling. You were like a bit all over. Yeah, I was already before traveling. So before the States, I was already that uh, half year in Denmark. I was uh, nearly one and a half year in Hamburg. Um, Berlin, uh, Portugal. I stayed nearly two years in Portugal, mm. or one and a half year in Portugal. At that time, I was all the time going around. You know. So um, after 89, 89, I came to the States. Then I was traveling for two years around the States. And, and, and then I started in Asia. And then Good. I opened a studio in Bali. And then I had a How long did you have it for? Long, 17 years oh, wow. altogether. So you liked it over there? What? You liked it over there? Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved it over there. Yeah, my son raised up over there, so he went to international school. There was also the... I didn't want to give up my Austrian connection. I, I was always too scared to give up my studio and my little flat, which had a really good deal, to be honest, price-wise, you know? It's like I had a really cheap rent for the studio, and, and it would be stupid to give that up, you know? You have, like, a nice studio for, like, 300 euro a month. Uh, it's a good deal, you know. What did you do with the studio when you went traveling like that? You see, I could even afford to just close it in the time. And just so. keep paying rent. But then later on, I, I had people working there. So, you know, the, with the percentage what I got from them, the whole thing kept alive, you know, paid all the bills. And I mean, I didn't collect money after that, but mm. I had the studio running. There was no bills open. It was actually great. Yeah, because yeah, yesterday there was your show, which was super nice like to see <laughs> and it's crazy how you have all those flashes from those days because yeah. often people you know like they don't have them anymore because either you know they end up somewhere or whatever but you had so it's like a traveling in time in your life because yeah. th then you sign as well like where it was exactly. so you can see exactly. in the oh, some of them are made in a train sitting mm. like and drawing the crazy thing of that stuff, apart the variety, obviously, that you have in there, which is crazy, and you can, you can see different exactly. time periods and stuff, yeah. but some stuff is really, like for those times especially, so I saw a tribe, you had one of those flashes, was a tribal, color tribal, with an, a Native American half yeah. cyborg biometric alien. <laughs> and I was like, how the fuck did you come up with that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was one thing uh, I started up uh, this making one to two in two different styles. There was actually, the, I, I had to start a back piece and had no idea what I'm gonna do, you know? And uh, he was telling me roughly like, uh, he wanted like a little bit like an Indian goddess, 
but not a specific, not a specific one, you know. But he wasn't sure, like uh, everyone is black and gray, a color, I don't know, you know. And I wasn't sure which style I'm gonna do it. So in the end, we just split it in the middle, like straight, and made one half black and gray and a little bit like Geigerish. And, and the other part, we make like typical Indian blue skin, you know, this typical Indian goddess. And I really like the idea, you know, it's like you just split a tattoo or split a design and make it in two different styles at once. Because I saw you got a few flashes like kind of like along those lines, because I guess you yes. did once. Yes, oh, yes, yes. And on skin much more even. I just yeah. didn't want it to overstress the people. I mean, they still have to tattoo it, you know, so. I mean, some things are really getting out of hand a little bit. It's so complicated. And I was doing one on Sean Vasquez, really big one. It's basically, it's actually, it's a shaman standing there with a stick, but it's in two styles. And one is a full color. It's, um, it's a robotic kind of guy with a stick. And the other one is just like a Merlin kind of dude, you know? But uh, it's not split in the middle. It's split with arrows going in that way and arrows going in that way. And the color ones went that way and the black and gray ones <coughs> were in that way. And, but you still see the whole thing. Man, I was mind boggling. Yeah, I was nearly cross-eyed. But it did in one, one session, really? 10 hours. Really? Yeah. I don't know how we could deal with that, which was inside here. Oof. And 10 hours. But where, he was, where was this? really brave. That was in America in... Um, what was his name? Eastside Inc., I think. Eastside Inc. Okay. So uh, Sean Vasquez and Andrea. And there was a bunch of people working there, like come and go, you know. But there was a lot of uh, actually some famous, now famous tattooists mm. started there. I had their first experience. Yeah, because you must have seen like the trajectory of many people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like I knew a lot of people before they even started tattooing. Mm. That's a funny thing, you know. And now they're really famous and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, I know that guy before he made his <laughs> first dot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what is the stuff you enjoy the most today doing? Today? Hmm. Uh, still fantasy, Japanese -y. Colorful color stuff. I still prefer the color than the black and gray. Mm. But I, I do like black and, black and gray too. But uh, if I have the chance and if the person is willing to pay for that, I'd rather do a thing in color. Yeah. When did you feel like it was the time to go back to Austria? Eventually, like, okay. I mean, like, I always went back, back and, and forth. Yeah. It's like uh, the longest that I stayed away altogether was like eight months. Like, I mean, when I was in America, if I could have stayed longer, I would have, you know, but uh, after six months, you had to leave anyway, so. Stuff, yeah. But then I went back to Vienna, stayed one month in Vienna, and straight back, back over there to have another six months. Mm. Yeah. Let me ask you, because this sometimes is hard to remember on the spot, right? Usually, it's those kind of things that you remember after, like, oh, yeah, that one. But can you remember in, in the people that you met in all these travels, being mm -hmm. tattooers or not tattooers, whatever, you know? someone that left the, the biggest impression on you for whatever reason. They're like, oh, even today I still remember this thing that I crossed path with or I met over there that day because for any reason. I mean, if you tattoo and if you travel around the world, you meet a lot of really strange and different people, you know? And there was a lot of people who made kind of big impressions on me shamans, for example, or, you know, <laughs> wizards, <laughs> mm. things like that. I'm a shaman wizard, basically the same thing. But um, um, I mean, I don't really want to particularly name like a person or mm -hmm. something. But uh, 
I had a few really strong, I met some really strong characters. And, and I, one time I met a woman, she owes one of these crystal skulls, like meant to be a real one, like a few thousand year old one. She was a very impressive woman, to be honest. She was really old, she was like 60 something. Where was this? It was in Bali. Okay. Yeah. And um, she made quite a big impression on me. But I mean, it's like, uh, especially in Bali, um, I met a lot of strong characters. And I guess it's like a place that see a lot of people passing through and cross of different exactly. nationalities. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. A lot of travelers and, and people who travel alone through the whole world, they're mostly strong characters. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, you must be. I guess, yeah. I guess. Or you become mm -hmm. during it, you know. Yeah. And the fact that they are from so many different places, the, like, some of them were from India, some of them were from Afghanistan even. I met a really great guy who Iceland or, you know. And mm -hmm. that was that what made it actually so great was the people who are just from all over the world, you know. And, uh, because a lot of people here are familiar with traveling because, you know, this profession and this environment make it yeah. a bit easier, right? And what would you say, because I always talk with people that, let's say, out of tattooing, you know, they're considering about going traveling because it's something they always wanted to do, never left their country, or maybe they want to learn the language, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But they're scared. Yeah. Because it, it seems like, oh, what am I going to do over there, right? And if you travel, then you can be like, okay, look, it's going to be okay. It's the same thing over here, but over there. Yeah. And then... I always end up telling them why I think that traveling in general is, is something that everybody should go through in different degrees at, at, at some yeah. point, you know, uh -huh. because it gives you, on a human level, many different level of growth, right? For yeah. you, what would you say that your traveling, you know, if you would recommend to someone to go travel, why? Like, what, what did you get from all this traveling? You know, what would you recommend them? Be like, look, you know. See, I mean, it depends where you want to go. Mm. For example, it's like uh, one of the biggest impressions were made India on me. But India is challenging. It's definitely not everybody's thing, you know. So it's, even when for me it was one of the biggest impressions, it would be not the place I would tell, oh, go to India, you're not going to love it. Because you're probably not. You're probably going to hate it, you mm. know. It's like uh, it, I was there for a few hours and I already saw two dead persons, you know. So. That was kind of shocking in a way. It was one was a car accident, the other one was somebody who who died on the side of the street. You know, was lying there dead. You know, but anyway, you know that thing that can be shocking for some people. Or even in Bali, I had some people they come to visit and they couldn't handle it. They, they were drinking every day till they they left a week mm -hmm. later. They just couldn't deal with it. You know, but for me it was as more uh, different as it is as my own culture is more interesting it was yeah. you know so, so especially the Hindu religion is all the different gods and Ganesha and the, mm -hmm. no it was great it was great interesting you know yeah when I think about this stuff it makes me think that it depends on your personality right some people feel more uncomfortable with this than others right but I think that the, the main point is to actually like you say going to a place that is as almost as different as possible mm-hmm from your own comfort zone. Because mm -hmm. then you realize that things are not the way, they're not supposed to be in a certain way or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you open your mind to other, ah, okay, you can do this in a different way, perhaps, and that's okay too, you know? I mean, it's like this, I mean, some places I, um, I know they would be like the totally opposite from the culture where I'm from, you know? But they are still, they're probably too challenging mm -hmm. for my taste. Like, mm -hmm. for example, 
Uh, even as much as I would be interested to go to Papua New Guinea, I wouldn't go to all the tribes there, or to uh, Tonga, what's the name? It's like some island. Uh, Fiji, the... Samoa. No, 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 it's, uh, Borneo. it's, um, it's beyond, it's uh, below uh, India. And it's, it's a group of islands, they, the locals there, they just don't want any foreigners coming in. They, mm. As soon as a boat comes there, they shoot with bow and arrow and, and stuff. And they just don't want, they don't want any connection to the other, other world. So mm. places like this, I just would not be interested to go, you know. Mm. Yes, a bit much. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, I mean, I like adventure to a certain point. Mm. Still uh, adventure with a little bit of safe zone as well. Mm. And uh, going back to tattooing, what do you think is the, uh, for good or for bad, or, or both, whatever, you know, how do you think that, because you saw the long run of this, tattooing yeah. changed mm -hmm. from those days and now? Oh, it's a totally different thing now, mm. honestly. It's like uh, the first 25, 30 years, it was basically the same. I mean, yeah, there was like more people were doing it and then different styles appeared but the people were still working basically with the same machines and, you know, it was very, the overview was really easy, you know, the, the whole tattoo world was one big community, everybody knew about the other one. And, uh, and now through the internet and through all these influences, it got a little bit out of hand, you know, there's like a, every country has its own styles and thousands of people and hundreds of people, you know, it's like the overlook, it's not possible anymore. Mm -hmm. like you cannot know every great tattoo or every good tattooist now, no way, yeah. you know? And, um, and then with the machines, you know, it's like uh, till 2000, basically there was two styles of tattoo machines, the rotary and the, and the, the coil machines, and then all of a sudden they invented tattooing new, hundred times, you know, with this air, uh, how you say, with uh, air pressure. Mm -hmm. I was working for a while in England with like air pressure machines. Oh, that great system from Australia that, uh, what's it called? Um, what's it called? Is the little black one? Yeah, exactly. Gen Not 3, Gen 4. Swash. Yeah, drive. Swash drive, yes. Swash drive. Oh, I love that system. Yeah. I was working four years with that. But then the machine broke and then I, uh, you know, I didn't get me another one. Mm. But, uh, I kind of liked this idea with the knocking wheel in the back. It was really weird, the motor not like that, the motor like sideways. Very slick and, and small and stuff, yeah. It's kind of great. Yeah, and today you work mostly with rotaries or? No, not at all. Oils, yeah? I work old school, yeah. Yeah, and uh, let's say someone that just got into tattooing or, you know, they have been in this now for so long. Yeah. Like, let's say the younger generation, right? What would you, if you would have to give them an advice, what would you say? What would you tell them? I would tell them, uh, make up your own decisions. Don't take everything as a fact when somebody tells you something, you know, because there's not, there's not only one way to achieve the goal, you know, there's many ways. And uh, it's not everything wrong, you know, and this is not everything right either. So find your own way, find the, the way what suits you. And also with machines, you know, it's like uh, try this machine, but also try other kind of machines, you know. I mean, it's great if you, uh, if you work good with a, a rotary machine and they are much more light actually for the hands, it's not so bad, you know. I mean, I understand if you work for, for many years with coil, with heavy coil machines, it can go hard on the hands. I have friends, they have like infected 
tendencies and stuff, you know, from working with these machines, you know. And I was even thinking one time to change that because they are lighter and they are not so hard on, on my hand. But then in the end, I went back to my own. It's cool to hear people like you that has been doing this forever and sometimes, you know, I did, there is a whole bunch of grays between black and white right over there. But sometimes some people that have done something the same way for a long time or, yeah. you know, they, they might tend to get a little stuck in a certain way. You know? So it's very nice to hear from someone like you that you have this, the first advice would be like keep an open mind, which, yeah, I, which yeah. I think is what, what I've seen personally. I met people that tattoo for 30, 40, 50 years. And the ones that I've seen that are staying top are people that have this mentality, meaning like, oh, there is change, and you flow with it, rather than fight it, and then you get stuck there, and yeah, then these yeah. new kids are just gonna, because. Yeah, true. Yeah. But in another way, I'm also a little bit stuck still in my way, and not, I, I mean, I know that these other machines, they uh, could be great and stuff, but I, I, I have one, but I barely use it. I should use it more, and I should make more experience with it. I mean, even when I give that advice, it doesn't mean I, I live with that advice mm -hmm. myself. But um, it's, um, you know, I, I definitely willing to do that. But it's just like, I, I, I don't know. Somehow, I also like the effect. I, I like the noise, too. It's part of it, you know. So the idea that you don't hear the machine anymore, I don't like that too much. Because it was also the sound, how I made the, how I know the machine runs right or not. Makes you yeah. feel a little disconnected, I think. Yeah, totally. Sometimes no, it's like... Like, I, I didn't want to learn tattooing from the beginning on, and I felt like that. It's like, fuck, I totally know nothing, you know? Like, I can you tell you about coil machines, but I know nothing about this kind of rotary machines. Yeah, but some know? stuff that you had today... Oh, about this module... You need to be an, an engineer. You know, you can't just, oh, I'm going to play with it and learn by it. You need to really know. No, with these machines, yeah. you cannot, actually. And it's yeah. not meant even to be, you know. Mm. They're actually meant to send them, and they play with it. Yeah. But with the coil machines, everybody was playing by yourself, you know. And you mm. try on a trout, a different feather, a different uh, whatever, different spring, different coils. Yeah. Actually, the coils and the frame, you don't separate too much. Yeah. It was mostly a... Uh, Killer. <laughs> <laughs> now, if, if the coil was broken, then the machine was broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know it's possible you put another coil in, but I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you need to be one of those people, you know, exactly. that love to, you know. Yeah, to build machines. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, true. Let me ask you something a little personal, you, you know, if it's too much. More personal than before. More personal. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say has been some of the, you know, hardest time or hardest thing that you know you went through but then in, in, somehow in the end like you came out of it stronger for whatever reason you know the biggest challenge that you met in this long career ah one time i had a really bad thing happen there was a rumor going around in vienna that i have aids because oh, i lost a few kilos you know i was sniffing quite a lot of coke at that time and <laughs> i had uh, yeah i was i was like 10 kilos less than i had now and, uh, and then somehow people spread the story around that I have AIDS, and then I was losing a lot of customers because of that. And that was 20 years ago, so they know that it was wrong. But the, at that time, it really hurted my business. And it was just going up from a rumor. I don't know who started that, but it was even some tattooists were spreading it around. Mm. I got really pissed when I heard that. Man, that sucks. So that was a bad thing happened and I mean I had a lot of little bad stories <laughs> like one time I it was a guy from Corsica and um, 
he wanted uh, he wanted actually a cover up. You know, he had uh, kind of a spaceship there, and he said like that, le ship, le space, <laughs> and uh, and I thought he wanted a spaceship, but a nice one. You know, so I was working already for like three hours or something. He didn't look at it. He, he I made a drawing. He said, "Go check it out." No, no, no. You make it, and I look when it's finished. You know. So I was working. I already started the color, and then his nephew came in, and he was looking, and, and he whispered in my ear, I said, you know that my uncle wanted a sailing ship in space? I said, what? What a spaceship? <laughs> no. I had a fucking uh, um, Enterprise meets Star Wars kind of <laughs> thing going on, you know? And then he was telling me, you want a sailing ship in space, you know? I had already all the outlines done and everything. Actually, I started the color already, you know? You know? But I, I changed it into a sailing ship. I made big sails over the whole thing and <laughs> two uh, lamps on the back, you know, like the old Galeon kind of Oh, God, dude. Did he figure and out? For two hours, I was like dying. <laughs> dying. I was covered in sweat. And I, no, please don't look. Please don't look before I'm done, you know. In the end, it was fine, you know, but oh, that was a horrible experience. Do you think he ever realized what happened? Or he just like, meh? I, no, not no. at that moment, but probably afterwards his nephew told him, okay. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it was so one far. really, really, really bad experience. But I, I kind of got out of it good. You can always send it. For God's sake, he was strong enough to sit through six hours Oof. or something, but I finally needed to fix it all. You, know? <laughs> you could always send it to Bob. Huh? Send maybe to, to Bob. send him to Bob. <laughs> <laughs> And one last thing, if you could somehow, right, talk to yourself when you were, when all of this was starting and you okay. were like 15, 13, 16, whatever, huh? with the stuff you know now, with all this, you know, long career, what would you tell yourself if you could give yourself an advice when you were that young? Hmm. <laughs> but for tattooing, I mean, I would say like, in general, the dentist before, <laughs> that would be my biggest advice now because that's, I really regret not taking care of my teeth when mm. I was younger. And now I was like, it's a pain in the ass. Guys, fake teeth, it's a pain in the ass, I can, <laughs> I can say. But uh, tattooing-wise, hmm. <sighs> I, would have, uh, I would have started earlier using magnum needles, for example. Mm. I was like too, thinking too small in the beginning. So think bigger. Think bigger, mm. to, to put it in a few words, yeah, mm. think bigger. Also with the small detail stuff. If you look, like yesterday you saw the, the sheets, mm -hmm. if you look the very first ones, yeah. they were like microcosmic. I mean, if you blew them up like that size, it would have been okay. You had like but a whole... You really would have tattooed it in that size. Cosmoin. A little skull on the skull, on the skull. I mean, it was way, way too detailed and stuff. So I that was also like, think bigger now. I mean, it works if you blow it up, but... Uh, if you not leave the, the proper gap, like at least a millimeter or two even, mm. you know, to, if you don't want that they grow together, leave space. Yeah. Give it time, give it breathe, give it space to breathe. Yeah. And I think this might answer the last question, but what would you say that makes a good tattoo, in your opinion? When you see different tattoos, you know, across the room in the street, and you're like, that one is good, and why? What makes a, what do you say, a good tattoo? Um, it definitely has to suit the position, the, the, the spot, you know? It's like the form is kind of important. 
uh, than even the effect of it when, when you see it from a little bit further away. Like for example, I used to make everything with the background. So I was making like whatever, let's say like a robot or something, you know? And then I made a background sky with some skyscrapers, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at it a little bit further away, it was just a dot, like a big you know? Like mm. nothing you could read, you know? It's just, yeah, there's some color, there's something, you know? But in the end, the whole thing was just a dot, you know? So uh, afterwards, I realized you have to work more with skin to, yeah, like to let it breathe a little mm. bit, you know? And then all of a sudden, you could see the, the, the robot guy already like five meters away because it did not make the background, mm. you know? Less is more, huh? Yeah, less is more. Mm. If you put it in a few words, less is more, that would be the advice, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. <laughs> anybody would like to ask anything? Any question, anybody? Bernie? No. Then I can go back to continue. <laughs> <laughs> I still have one guy bleeding in my booth. So. <laughs> yeah. It's the outline guy. The outline guy, exactly. Okay. Maybe we should go back to so that. So make the outline guy into a shading guy. <laughs> Bernie, this was okay, a pleasure, man. It was a man. pleasure for me, a, too. Thank you. Thank you for no sharing. Problem.